I wanted to take a quick moment and say thank you to Wade for the opportunity to preach today. As he mentioned, I am a runner, and for me, one of the ways that I stay uh, physically, mentally, and spiritually in balance is by being able to go out for a long run. And so today, in honor of Run the Race uh, Sunday, I I have my handy-dandy running shoes on. If it's okay with you, I'd like to put on my handy-dandy sweatband. Is that okay? I just want to get into the mood here. All right, here we go. We're ready to go. All right. Is it okay if we begin with a prayer? Yes. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and all of God's people said. Today on the Run the Race Sunday, we watch as Paul mashes up boxing and running metaphors in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Once again, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. If it's okay with you, I, uh, I'm much less interested in the boxing metaphor. I have way less experience with it, so I'd like to stick to what I know. Is it okay if I stick to running for today? Good, because that's what I'm going to do anyways, okay? (laughs) As someone who runs in races fairly regularly, I'm somewhat taken aback at the beginning of this text. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul lives in a world where only one runner gets the prize. Yet in every race that I've won, that I've run, sorry, multiple runners win a prize. Some of them win prize money, usually it's the top three males and the top three females. But every race today, you get a finisher medal. If you'd like to see some of mine, some of them are hanging in my office. I've got a trunk full of them at home. So clearly this text is speaking of a day and time different from our own. But I think it's similar as well because races in Paul's day and age, they had three distinct parts. Are you ready for them? They had a beginning... A middle and an end. Guess what races today have? A beginning, a middle, and an end. So what better place to start than the beginning? A good long-distance runner will tell you that the beginning is one of the most stressful times of the race. You've trained for many miles, many hours, and sometimes you've traveled a decent distance just to get to where you will run. You wouldn't go out and run a marathon if you hadn't done any training, would you? Would you? No, of course not. You don't wake up on a Tuesday and say, you know what, I'm going to go run a marathon today. You've got to do some preparation, some practice. Paul sees us engaging in strict training before we get to the point where we're running any races whatsoever. I think this might be what this big old building here is for. Isn't it? Isn't it here to get us trained? See, I've always been a proponent of Christian education, like the kind that we have here. I was taught to try to learn something every single Sunday I was in church. Was anybody else taught that? But it's not just at church on Sunday morning that I see Christian education anymore. Wednesday nights, I'm typically in with the youth and in the youth hall, but we gather together here as Christians to be formed in our faith. I'm told that Kelly Henderson has a fabulous men's Bible study. 
I'm told that Gay Smith leads one of the finest women's Bible studies around. And the team, the current team of Mike Wilson and Chris Canary are teaching the first hermeneutics course in our foundation series. As we think about preparing, as we think about beginning a race, that preparation moment is vital. But if you're here at 8.30 on a Sunday morning, I'd be willing to bet that I'm preaching to the today metaphorical choir. So instead of us all going home and just feeling really great about ourselves, I wonder if you would take a look at your class role. Today, we'll, we'll all leave this place. We'll all go have some kind of tailgate breakfast, and then we'll mosey our way on downstairs or upstairs or this stairs or that stairs to get wherever we're going. I wonder today if you'll take a peek at your class role and see if you can find someone that you haven't seen in a while. Find an opportunity to reconnect with them. Find out how to pray for them. And maybe invite them back to church. I think one of the problems today is that people, they, they feel guilty. They, they, they feel uh, frustrated that they've missed a couple of Sundays here or there. Or maybe their health hasn't been quite what it should be. But So they, they get lost. So if you'll do all of that with all the love of Christ that you can muster, I think that'll help both that individual and you. But it's not just about beginning races, is it? No. You've got to actually run the race. Runners generally hate the middle of a race. They absolutely detest the race. That is where races are won and lost. You don't have the excitement of the beginning or the cheers of, of the end of the crowd. So this is when many runners falter. I think the same can be said of us today. Sometimes we start a race strong and then we lose sight of our goal. Or maybe we try to take shortcuts. Or maybe mentally we're just not there yet. We haven't done the work to prepare to run that race. I was reading about Biosphere 2. You, you have a, a picture of it on your screen here this last week. It was a, a project that it's called Biosphere 2 because Biosphere 1 is the earth. It's, it's creation. And so Biosphere 2 is an attempt to create a second version of this. Investors spent $200 million creating a completely enclosed system that was meant to emulate earth potentially as a way of inhabiting some other planet. The, the goal was to create a closed system where nothing was going out or coming in so that we could then colonize Mars. Eight individuals ended up living in this structure out in, out in Oracle, Arizona for two years. From 1991 to 1993, then 10 people lived there again for six months in 1994. Different areas of this completely enclosed structure had a savanna, and they had a desert. The problem was this structure, because it was completely enclosed, there were some condensation issues, so the desert actually turned into a rainforest. <clears throat> they already had a tropical rainforest, though. They had an agricultural area. They had this. They had that. People had to live and work with only what was already there without using anything from the outside. Everything was going well until it came time to harvest the fruit off of the trees. The problem was, harvest time came and went with no fruit to harvest. The scientists inside the system noticed that the branches were smaller and more fragile than they should be. 
And they eventually concluded that no fruit grew to maturity because the branches of the tree, as they grew, they had never weathered the storms to bear fruit. This is like running the detested middle of a race. If you haven't weathered the storm, if you haven't grown to full physical maturity, you will never be able to accomplish what it is. I would argue that that the same is relatively true in, in our spiritual lives. Sometimes we stumble upon it, but that's only sometimes. We've got to do the work in the beginning so that we can run the middle. Or the baobab tree. Look at that. Baobab tree. It's one of the most iconic trees of Africa. They grow to a sizable height of 100 feet or so. Some of them have been reported to stand 130 feet tall. But what is most formidable about them is their trunks. Do you see their trunk? Do you see how wide it is? Normal ones have, diameter, have trunk diameters of between 23 and 36 feet. Let me repeat that for you again. These trees have trunk diameters of 23 to 36 feet. That is huge. There's one in Limpopo uh, province in South Africa that has a trunk diameter of 52 feet. Why do these trees grow so large? Well, it's because they must withstand the extreme weather that they are going to see. They also have to store up nutrients to make it through the long dry season. Isn't the Christian life the same way? If your life is anything like mine, you've had a fair amount of extreme weather to withstand. And much like this tree, you know that more is coming. Also, if you're anything like me, you know that if you're not in the middle of a spiritual dry season, one might be coming. So you keep coming back to a place that strengthens your faith, storing up a reserve of spiritual maturity for when the spiritual dry season comes. Mother Teresa told her confessor famously that she hadn't heard from God in 50 years. And yet she kept going out and doing what she felt God was calling her to. I could belabor the point by leading you to consider the sequoias of California, but it's okay if we just leave that right there. Sometimes being fruitful while running the race is more about endurance and persistence than it is anything else. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. Paul says that we don't run like someone running aimlessly. What is his assumption? Isn't it that we're running? It is that we are running how do we keep up our endurance when the middle gets tough? How do we keep up our endurance when we have lost sight, when we've forgotten what our aim is? I believe it all comes back to relationships. Who in your life keeps you keeping on? If you have someone like that, would you reach out to them this week? Let them know how special they are to you. If you don't have someone like that, would you find someone to help you keep on the path that God has called you to? This might be somebody in your class. This might be a neighbor. This might be a friend. But ask them for the little bit of help that you might need because they might need help getting through the difficult middle.
Yet it's not the start of the race or the middle of the race. It's important that we finish well. We're told to run in such a way as to win the prize. Something that would have only gone to one individual in Paul's day. Paul refers to it as a crown. Yet what I've attempted to gloss over up to this point is the team that would, that would have helped the runner run. Think about the individuals that surround one individual as they go do whatever it is that they are called to do. Running seems like it's one of the most individualistic sports in the world. Boxing seems like it's one of the most individualistic sports in the world. And yet, if you have a boxer who doesn't have a good coach, you don't have a good boxer. If you have a runner whose family isn't there to support them, if you have a runner whose medical professionals don't help them maintain physical health, if you have a runner who doesn't engage with dietitians to figure out this is how my body responds to certain factors, you don't have a good runner. We can try to white-knuckle this all that we want, hold on for dear life, and just try and try and try some more, and yet it's always multiple people who are all around us supporting us in this race. Also that the runner can finish strong. Do you have people who surround you? I believe that all of us are currently in the beginning, middle, or end of many races. Some things were winding down. Currently, I'm still winding down summer. We still have youth who forgot that they left pillows at youth camp. How do you get home without your pillow? Will one of you solve that mystery and just teach me? I, I, I'm, I'm just too young and stupid to have figured that out yet. Will, will you teach me? <sighs> or if you've ever walked with a loved one through a major life transition, you know the excitement that's coupled with grief and loss that sometimes accompanies that. Different is, might be better, but sometimes it's difficult to end one thing so that you can begin another those who love you most and best will be right there with you as you finish your race. If you look at the end of the race like Paul does, you see that he wants us to run in such a way as to win the prize, to win the crown. But in verse 27, he points to us staying qualified. He reminds us to run in such a way as to not disqualify ourselves. So this isn't a win-at-all-costs kind of ideal for Paul. Instead, it's a keep-the-main-thing-the-main-thing kind of ideal. All of this race running requires a single-minded focus. That means that we say many more no's than yeses. We've said a fair amount of no's and yeses at our church, haven't we? We don't have the fanciest lighting system in the world. Other churches have that. That's, that's okay. We are a church that has one of the best orchestras that I've ever seen in a church. We aren't a church that's going to limit ordination to members of only one gender. We are a church that's going to love and support the community ministry that we have right at our doorstep. We aren't a church that will turn into a cult of personality. Can you imagine us creating a cult of personality around Wade Smith? He is not enough of a ruthless dictator for that to work, is he? He's way too humble. He'd get a day into it and say, I give up, I quit. 
We are a church who's going to continue to lovingly, faithfully show up here together. See, folks, we all have races that we're running. Some we're just beginning, some we're in the long middle of, and some we're finishing. So what's the point? The point is that we run the races that God has called us to. We only run those races, we say no to other races, but we do run them faithfully. Beginning, middle, and end. I'll be running right beside you. Amen and amen. Hopefully today you received a a blank sheet of paper. Today we're going to take two and a half moments to engage in journaling as spiritual practice. I'm told that we engaged in Lectio Divina, a divine reading. It's where we read scripture a couple or three times. I'm going to give you an opportunity to take your piece of paper, take a pen, and engage with three questions that will be on the screen. They're fairly simple questions, and they are this. What is a race that God is calling you to start? What are some races God is calling you to continue running And what are some races that God is calling you to finish? I believe that God is calling all of us to start, run, and finish some races. Maybe this doesn't engage with you. Maybe you're somebody who just needs to flip the the piece of paper over and use this opportunity to journal a prayer to God. God, thank you. God, help. God, hallelujah. All right? Let's take a few moments and journal together.